The first reading is from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And the second reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I wonder, as we sort of begin um, this morning, just a question for you, quite a big question, actually. Um, What would you like your last words on earth to be? If someone is sitting there by your deathbed, what would you like them to record you saying? A few hundred years ago, actually, people used to talk about that quite a lot. People used to think about death quite regularly, partly because death was more present than it is today without sort of modern-day medicine. Um, And Christians in previous generations would often talk about their desire to die a good death, which to us sounds a bit morbid, but for them was just a reality. And again, today we want to be thanking God, actually, for the sure family that Chris's dad um, passed away yesterday, um, but he was secure in the love of Jesus. So what would you like your final words to be? Well, recently I was reading about the last words of a Christian author and thinker, a man called Dallas Willard, an American. Um, And he wrote a lot in his life about what it means to know and be changed by Jesus in our day-to-day lives. And he would often pray for himself and those he loved. I think the phrase he would use is that they would live a radiant life and experience a radiant death. And Dallas Willard died in 2013 after a short battle with cancer. An old friend of Willard's was sitting by his bedside when he died and heard his last words. And apparently Willard's eyes were closed. He was drifting in and out of consciousness. His friend felt sure he wasn't speaking to him, and he just said these words. Thank you. And then he died. And that man wrote about his, about his friend that he was clearly speaking not to anyone in the room, but to the God of grace, the God who had loved him, the God who'd kept him throughout his life, the God who was now welcoming him into eternity with himself. And it's just such a moving account. I remember reading it, being really struck by it. And I just came away praying that something similar would be my experience, that when all was said and done, I'd look back over my life, all the good things and the bad things, the successes and the failures, the people I'd known, and I would just want to say to the God of grace, thank you. I think that really gets to the heart of what Paul is commanding the Thessalonian Christians here when he says, Christians, give thanks in all circumstances. We've been looking at these verses the last few weeks from 1 Thessalonians 5. 
Um, they are rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And again, we look at them and they're, they're very simple commands, but they're, they're kind of hard for us. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. We, we sort of struggle to know what to do with these. But, but look at the way Paul finishes the verse. He says, this isn't just something you do sometimes. It's not optional. It's not something that's only relevant when life is good. No, he says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. According to Paul, these three commands stand at the center of God's plans and purposes for his people in Christ. And we looked at the first two of those commands the last few weeks. Now it's the turn of the final one. Give thanks in all circumstances. What does that mean? How are we meant to understand it? Why does Paul seem to think this command is good news for anyone who trusts in Jesus? Well, in one sense, actually, it's interesting to, to note that over the last 25 years or so, there's been a growing movement among psychologists, sometimes called um, the study of positive psychology. So that, that's, that's, that's the sense of setting out to discover the positive mental traits that lead to people living a good life. So in one sense, we sometimes think of psychology, that is only there to tell us when something's wrong. But they're saying, what about those positive mental traits? And the top of nearly every list in those studies and research is gratitude. According to these, these various studies, people have come to conclusions gratitude leads to greater satisfaction in life, more hope for the future, less depression, anxiety, envy, a greater ability to sympathize with other people. One study I read, um, a researcher found that just keeping a simple gratitude journal, they called, for a month, the idea of you just write down regularly things and people you're thankful for, could lead to benefits such as lower blood pressure, better sleep, increased energy levels, so once it's even in the world out there, according to research, gratitude is good for us. But actually, if you're a Christian here today, you don't need a lengthy psychological study to tell you that, because God has told us that already in his word. And actually, I hope we can see as we look at this command that to give thanks in all circumstances is actually a life-giving command. It's a grace filled command given to us for our good and for God's glory in our lives. But that doesn't mean it's an easy command to follow. And look again at how Paul words this command. We always need to look carefully at God's word. Paul doesn't say give thanks in some circumstances. He doesn't even say give thanks in most circumstances. If he said that, we'd go, yeah, I can do that, Paul. No, he commands his readers, give thanks in all circumstances. And we should go, well, how can anyone command me to do that? In fact, some of us might be sitting here thinking, well, what sort of fantasy world does Paul live in? How on earth are we expected to be thankful in all circumstances when there's so many hard and horrible things that go on in this world? Just examples from the news this week. We have shootings in the United States at schools. We have the ongoing war in Ukraine. We have people struggling with the cost of living, and you think closer to home, you've got people you love who are lonely, who are confused, who you just don't know how to help. Then you hear this, give thanks in all circumstances. That's hard. It feels like an impossible command to obey. So as we've done throughout this series, I want to start by just thinking of a few reasons why we don't give thanks in all circumstances. And the first thing, to be really honest, some circumstances are just really painful and hard. So I want to say Paul is not calling us here to shut our eyes and live in a fantasy world. Paul doesn't actually tell us, give thanks for all circumstances either. Some circumstances are, are difficult. 
the death of a loved one, a chronic illness, someone you care about hurting themselves, hurting the people around them. You can't stop them. Actually, we don't give thanks for all circumstances. Some circumstances are hard. And it's a really precious thing in the Bible that there's a category called lament by, by biblical um, scholars. And basically, those are those times when all you can do is go, Lord, how long? How long is this going to happen? Lord, have mercy. We are struggling. We don't know what to do. We need you. We need to cry out to God sometimes. So I hope we see that giving thanks in all circumstances doesn't mean we shut our eyes to hard things. Actually, instead, it's an invitation to us to draw near to God in all circumstances. In some ways, it's just the circumstances make it hard to be thankful. But I think the Bible would argue that actually there's a deeper reason why we don't give thanks in all circumstances. And if we're honest, many of us feel, well, we are entitled to a good and easy life. We say to ourselves, well, I'm a good person. I work hard. I'm entitled to enjoy life more than I'm doing. We're like, we're writing a TripAdvisor review in our lives. We're never going to give it five stars. We're going, it could do better. I want to be happier than I am. And as in so many things, one of the great modern-day Western thinkers, Bart Simpson, puts it beautifully. He goes, when he's asked to pray for food and the meal, at the beginning of the meal, he goes, dear God, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. That is an attitude we all have without being as crass as Mr. Simpson. And at, our, at its heart, our struggle to give thanks is actually part of our struggle, what the Bible calls sin. At the heart of sin often is ingratitude. And ingratitude flows out of the fact that we forget who God is and we forget who we are. If you look back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, the account of the entrance of sin and death into the world, and you've got Adam and Eve living in paradise in a beautiful, fruitful, safe garden. They're free to eat from any tree in the garden except one that God told them not to eat. And what happens? They focus on the one tree they're not meant to eat. They listen to the lies of the serpent. They suddenly believe God is holding out on them. They think, actually, we'll be better off not listening to God. And so they eat the fruit and sin and death enter the world. Actually, ingratitude, a refusal to say thank you to God, is at the very heart of sin. And since the fall, we're all naturally ungrateful people. Instead of giving thanks to God, we complain about him. We grumble about him. We think the worst of him. We imagine if I was God, my life would be so much better. Gratitude, giving thanks, doesn't come naturally to any of us this side of the fall. And yet, here is Paul urging his Christian readers to give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, he says. In giving us this command, Paul's confident in Christ Jesus, there is a better way for us to live. And I want us to see today, this command is an invitation to draw near to the God who loves us in all the circumstances of our lives. In that, it's very similar to the other commands. Rejoice in the Lord always. Draw near to him. Pray continually. Draw near to him. Give thanks in all circumstances. Draw near to him. Know that the Lord is near. He is with us, and he is doing good things in and through us, whatever the circumstances of our lives. That is why gratitude is so vital in the Christian life, because it says, God, you're there, you're living, you're active, and I want to see what it is you're doing and thank you for it. Giving thanks opens our eyes to who God is and who we are. 
just unpacking that a little bit, what does, what does giving thanks tell us about who we really are? Well, for one thing it says, it's just that we are all dependent people. That's, if you like, the, the hard truth, the reality of giving thanks. That in spite of how we sometimes think, in spite of how advertisers tell us we should live our lives, we're actually not the masters of our own fate. Actually, we are all dependent people. Dependent on other people, we need other people, and we're dependent ultimately on God. We need God. So we owe the fact that we're alive to other people. Put simply, you did not give birth to yourself. It's fairly straightforward, but it's there. I heard someone say, every time you feel like self-reliant and independent, have a shower, look down, there's your belly button. That shows you've got mums and dads, you didn't give birth to yourself. Try it next time. And so many of the things that mark you out as you, whether that's your, your skin color, your height, the color of your eyes, they depend on your family background, on the people who came before you, whether or not you know their names. And then you think of your everyday lives. This morning, when you woke up, you may have put the light on, or put the kettle on, or put the TV on. That's because other people working behind the scenes have produced power for your household. You may have had a shower or a bath this morning because other people in the water company made sure there was flowing water into your tap. You may have had breakfast because other people farmed that food, produced that food, transported it to you. We are far more dependent on others than we often like to think. And the Apostle Paul, in another one of his letters, says this. He goes, what do you have that you didn't receive? And then he says, if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you didn't? We often are very boastful people. We think, yeah, I've, I've made my life. I've, I've sort of all out. This, this, this is my life. Actually, we are all dependent people. And saying thank you to other people and to God is just the reality of that. That's why we give thanks. But putting it more positively, actually giving thanks reminds us that our lives are a gift from God. None of us has earned them. So every day, every moment, every breath is a gift from a loving God who hasn't finished with us yet. So the call to give thanks to God reminds us that life is actually a gift. It is a privilege. It is a sign of God's grace. There was a Christian pastor and writer called Jack Miller who once described thankfulness as a return to sanity. What an amazing phrase that thankfulness is a return to sanity. See, if we try and live our lives as if everything depends on us, as if everything rests on my shoulders, God isn't really there, he's not really interested in me, then the, the, the result of that is just grumbling, anxiety, misery. But actually thankfulness says, actually God, this is a gift today. Actually, God, you want me to acknowledge you're the center of the universe and not me. And you want me to live my life the way I was created to live it, in relationship with you, taking each day as a gift from you, giving thanks to you, and asking you, Lord, what would you have me do with this day? Thankfulness reminds us our lives are a gift from God. And that leads on to thankfulness reminding us who God really is. God really is the giver of every good gift. James 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows. 
James is saying, actually, look at everything you have in your life. You can thank God for those things. And many of those blessings actually are temporary. They are temporary blessings. They're here for a short while. They don't last. A couple of years ago, pre-COVID, we looked, one of the last books we looked at before then was the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. There, the teacher says again and again in that book that your life is a breath. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. But the teacher then says, but actually enjoy those gifts that don't last. Enjoy those things that God gives because they fuel our worship of God and they open our eyes to who he is. So give thanks for that holiday, that meal, that football game, that conversation, those friends, that pet, that movie, that piece of music. Because every gift God gives us is a signpost to him as the giver of every good gift. So give thanks to God for his temporary gifts. Use them to fuel your relationship of love to him. But amazingly, the greatest gifts God gives us are actually eternal. And the biggest one of all is he gives us himself. God's will for us in Christ Jesus, amazingly, is for us to experience and enjoy the nearness of God, both now and forever. So the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, invites each one of us to enjoy a constant flow of blessing in relationship with himself, to share in the love the Trinity has had forever, to be part of the most loving family imaginable. And we give thanks in those circumstances, not because life isn't hard sometimes, but because actually the Lord is near to us in all those circumstances, and because the Lord loves us in all those circumstances. That's really at the heart of all three of the commands we've looked at in 1 Thessalonians. The Lord is near and he loves you. Therefore, rejoice always. Therefore, pray continually. Therefore, give thanks in all circumstances. The Lord is near and he loves you. And it's amazing that we hear maybe that phrase, God loves you, and we're just kind of just thick-skinned about it, aren't we? We just go, I've just heard that too many times. I've sung that in too many songs. I've seen that on, I know, cat posters too often. God loves me, but that doesn't really make a difference. Well, I think if you've ever felt like that, I want to say one of the greatest gifts God has given us is his word, the Bible. And there are 66 books in there. And each one of those 66 books is a different way of looking at the character of God and his love for us. So if we didn't want to know more of the difference it makes to know that God loves us, we listen to his word and the different ways he shows us that he loves us. Just a couple of examples on the screen. If God loves you doesn't help you, what about God wants you? He chose you before the creation of the world. You're not an accident. He wants you in this world. God loves you and God desires you did Song of Songs a few months ago. Again, the freshness of that is kind of, we think love is this kind of maybe disinterested niceness, but actually there's a desire, like a bridegroom desires his bride. Look at Song of Songs, look at the book of Hosea. God loves you and God more than loves you, he likes you. We kind of go, well, maybe God loves me, but I'm not sure he likes me very much. You know, the language of the Psalms, the language of Zephaniah, he takes great delight in you and rejoices over you with singing. As we begin to realize just how deeply 
God loves us, how near God is to us, how good his purposes are for us, we begin to give thanks to him. The Lord is near and he loves you. And the Lord is near in all the circumstances of our lives. Whatever we go through in our lives, including maybe the worst things that happen to us, including those moments when death comes along. Part of this was on my mind a bit with them getting a message from Chris yesterday about his dad, but actually 1 Thessalonians talks about this. 1 Thessalonians 4, just a couple of verses before our bit, Paul's speaking to Christians who've lost loved ones. He says this, you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Actually, we can give thanks even in the face of death because Jesus has triumphed over death and he shares that victory with everyone who knows him and trusts him. I don't know why this week, but thinking about this, give thanks in all circumstances, just reminded me of my mom's funeral back in January 2017. Um, it was back in Northern Ireland, traditional Northern Irish um, funeral. So you kind of, what happens is the men of the family often carry the coffin from the family home to the cemetery. So I was helping carry my mom's coffin down our driveway, the house I'd grown up in. And I was grieving that day, as was my family. But I just had an overwhelming sense of thankfulness to God. Thankful for my mom, for the love she'd shown me, but also just that Jesus had saved her. He'd rescued her, and she was with him now. I think for one of the most powerful moments in my life, I realized that thankfulness and grief can coexist. Thankfulness and sadness can go together. We can actually give thanks in all circumstances. That didn't mean I wasn't sad. That didn't mean I didn't miss my mom. But actually, I could give thanks because of the future hope God has won for us through Christ, but also the Lord was just remarkably near to me that day. Give thanks in all circumstances because of who God is, because he's near and he loves you. So why is this command to give thanks in all circumstances a life-giving command? I want to say it's, it's an act of worship. It's going, God, you're the giver of all good things. I want to thank you for it because I didn't earn these things. You give them to me. It's an act of faith. Lord, I don't understand why this is happening, but I want to trust you. I want to trust that your purposes are good here. Please work in this. It's actually an act of defiance. It's going, I'm going to refuse to let the circumstances of my life rob me of my faith in the Lord Jesus. I'm going to say, actually, Jesus has gone before me. He knows what it is to suffer. I'm going to look for what it is he's doing. And even when I don't quite see it, I am going to give thanks to him. Giving thanks really matters in the Christian life. It's worship, it's faith, it's defiance against the enemy. He would say, God doesn't love you. No, he does. I know he does. So as we finish, how then do we grow in thankfulness? And that's where our second reading this morning comes into play. Because God gives us gifts to help us grow in thankfulness. That's Colossians 3 that Lisa read to us there. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful that the message of Christ dwell among you 
richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs in the Spirit, singing to God, walk with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's three verses, three times Paul says, give thanks, be thankful, have gratitude. And we can do that because of the gifts God gives us. God gives us the word of Christ, it says here. Listening to the word of God reminds us of who God is, what he has done for us, what he will do for us in the new creation, and therefore he will never leave us or forsake us until we get there. We thank God as we listen to the word of Christ. We sing together. Again, last week in the church weekend away that we were in a smaller room with a lower roof and the noise was amazing. I love this hall, but it kind of sucks up all the volume. But actually, singing together helps us grow in thankfulness. We sing with gratitude in our hearts to God. We take the words of other people when we don't have the words. Sing to God on your own. Ideally, you sing with other believers. It's a gift God's given us to tune our hearts to his grace. And the third gift really is, is just that, that body of Christ imagery. Use other Christians. That sounds wrong, doesn't it? But use other Christians to fuel your thankfulness to God. These are gifts God gives us. I'm putting on the screen because I, I just like it. It's the picture we took last Saturday at the weekend away. Apologies if you weren't there, but just it's a great snapshot to me. Part is the poses of the kids at the front row. <laughs> Makes me laugh. But, but there's a sense that even if you feel you can't sense the, the nearness and goodness of God, even if you feel, actually, I'm just struggling to give thanks, what happens? You spend time with other Christians. You say, pray for me in that. Tell me what God's doing in your life. And it's not going to be perfection in their life either, but actually we're given to each other by God to spur each other on in thankfulness. God hasn't left us alone to find reasons to give thanks to him. Partly that's what we want to do next week in our praise and testimony Sunday. We want to stop. We want to take some time just to look for what God is doing in our lives and give thanks to him together for that. God gives us gifts of each other of the word of Christ, of singing together to fuel our thankfulness. And in a moment, actually, we're going to take bread and wine. One of the greatest gifts God gives is the Lord's Supper. Bread and wine that reminds us of just how deeply Jesus loves us and his ongoing presence with us as we wait for him to return. Give thanks in all circumstances. I want us to say as we finish, it's an invitation from God. It's not a burden. It's not something we've got to do to earn his approval. No, it just says, open your eyes. Open your eyes to who God is, to what he's done, and then give thanks in response. Someone said to me years ago, giving thanks is like a muscle you have to develop. Some of us are more developed muscles than others. But giving thanks is something we, we do as we open our eyes to who God is. And as we help each other and spur each other on in that. So again, what would your last words be? They could be amazingly wise. They might not be. But actually, we wouldn't go far wrong if we learned from that older Christian we started with. But the end of things, as we look back over everything that has happened to us, the good and the bad, the, the joy and the sorrow, we would just say, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Spirit, for who you are 
and what you have done in my life. Give thanks in all circumstances, says Paul. Let me pray as we finish. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you so much that when you give us a command, you also promise to give us the power to obey it. Thank you, Lord, so much that even if we feel not sure what to do with some of these commands, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, Lord, that you're utterly committed to teaching us what this looks like as we humble ourselves and come to you. Lord, please, would we be people who do that? Would we accept our dependence on you? Would we not kick against that? Would we see how deeply we do need you? But then would we also just graciously receive all the grace and the love and the mercy you have for us? Would we open our eyes to just how deeply you love us? And would our response then to be, just in all circumstances, to say thank you. Thank you for the good. Help me in the bad, Lord. But would we be those who say thank you for the gift of my life, of our lives? And would you use us to point others to you, the God who deserves all our thanks because of his grace and mercy towards us in the Lord Jesus. In his name we ask it. Amen.